You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Maybe seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. It's such a gift to gather with the church. And so I want to welcome you and say to you that I'm so glad that you are here this morning. It is a privilege. It's a gift to gather with, to gather with God's people. Um, Eugene Peterson once said this. He said, worship, corporate worship, is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of a living God. I love that quote. I love that quote. There's so many things that can occupy our minds and our lives, um, the busyness of our life, the complications of our life, um, the disappointing loss of our college football team. Sorry, Aggies. Um, There's so many things that can preoccupy our lives, and it's a gift to gather with the church and worship the living God, to be reminded that he is with us. And that's exactly what we're doing in this sermon series. This is week three of an equipping series that we've been in this fall that we're calling In the Storm. And in the series, we're addressing many of the common struggles or storms of life that we can encounter as human beings living in a world of sin and death. And as we're doing this, we're trying to, to look at some of these things through two lenses, some of these storms of life. We're looking at them through two primary lenses. First, the truth of God's word. And second, the good news and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today we turn our attention to the topic of anxiety. We're going to look at the topic of anxiety. I have three things for us today. If you're taking notes, we're going to first try and answer the question, what is anxiety? Two, we're going to look at the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about fear and anxiety? And then three, if you are in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, what do we do as followers of Jesus with our anxiety? What is it that we do when we are anxious? That's where we're going today. Um, Before I pray for us in a moment, I do want to tell you about one thing. Um, Next week, I know the kiddos are in here today, and so uh, this, it looked like I'm about to do story time, don't I? Look at that. No, I'm not doing that. Not today. Uh, next week, we'll be having these books available. If parents, if you want to grab one and purchase one, we'll be selling them at a discounted price, only 10 bucks. book is called God is Always Good, Comfort for Kids Facing Grief, Worry, and Scary Times, right? It's important to acknowledge as we're in this series, in the storm, it's not just adults that experience difficult things, right? Kids do as well, uh, unfortunately. And so... It's a great resource. We'll have those available for sale next week if you want to grab one. Okay, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as a local church. What a gift it is to reorient our hearts and our minds around what is ultimate and true, and that is you. That's your might, your power, your glory, your wisdom, and your grace. Your grace offered to us in Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this topic of anxiety today, I do just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just give a a measure of peace to this room, to this people. As we open your word, as we seek to learn together, as we seek to be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus, we invite you to help. Be our teacher today, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, every person in this room experiences anxiety in their life. Statistics will tell you that in the United States, about somewhere 20 to 25% of adults 
are uh, living with some form of diagnosis around the topic of anxiety. And there's different, there's different ways to think about anxiety. There's what people will call general anxiety. Most of what we'll talk about today will be geared toward that general anxiety. But there also, uh, there's also trauma-induced anxiety that is, that is real and debilitating in some people's life. There's phobias, those sorts of things as well. But everyone in this room, regardless, experiences anxiety. And it's not one size fits all. For some, it's acute and it only pops up in certain circumstances. Maybe it's a social anxiety. When you get in certain social settings, you start to feel it. Or like my wife, like crowds, she doesn't do well in crowds, you know? So like the kids want to go to Disneyland, like that's tricky because uh, she doesn't like crowds. Uh, maybe others of you, it's public speaking, right? There's certain circumstances that can kind of uh, flare up anxiety in you. For other people, it's, it's less about certain circumstances that cause it to pop up. It's more of like a low-grade anxiety that you live with. It's like this hum that's kind of in the background of your life at all times, kind of like an app on your phone that, needs, that hasn't been shut off in a while. It's just running in the background. There's this low-grade anxiety that's there, it seems, at all times for some. And then there's severe anxiety that others experience that can be debilitating. It, certain things can trigger it, and your heart will race, you'll sweat, your chest will tighten. Perhaps you maybe even have experienced real panic attacks in your life. Anxiety can manifest itself differently for each of us, but it's something that we all experience in some way and some form. There are different triggers to anxiety in our life. If you're taking notes, I want you to think about these and maybe even try and identify or source the trigger of anxiety for you. I wanna give you three. There are different triggers that can trigger anxiety in our minds and in our bodies. For some, it's the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown can trigger anxiety for you. The uncertainty of outcomes, maybe lack of knowledge about details, how things are going to be, who's going to be there, what's it going to be like, these kinds of things. The unknown can, can trigger alarms of anxiety in your body. Kids, students, I know that many of you started a new school year this year, and perhaps some of you felt that. Maybe it's a new school that you were going to for the first time, a new place, a new classroom, new teachers. Maybe you were making new friends. Some of you made the jump from elementary to middle school. And maybe you felt this a bit, kind of anxiety being loaded in your body because you were uncertain about what to expect. Maybe, maybe you didn't, but your parents did. Uh, maybe parents were anxious about uncertainty around the new school year. For some, it's the fear of the unknown that can trigger anxiety. For others, it's a fear of death or danger that triggers anxiety, right? At, at six, six Flags, you're, you're at Six Flags with a group and everybody else is excited about the thrill of the roller coaster that you're about to ride. And you're the person that's like researching on your phone, when was the last time that this roller coaster passed a safety inspection check? You know, like fear, I'm just kidding. Uh, just having some fun here. Um, for some, it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of death that can trigger anxiety. Behind every opportunity, you see danger and threat. And anxiety has become like, like, a ha like handcuffs on your life or, or the lives of your loved ones because, uh, because you are afraid of what might be, what danger there might be. For others, it's not fear of the unknown. It's not fear of danger. It is fear of people. It makes you anxious. It's what some would call the fear of man. It's fear of people. It's, 
It's when we fear the approval or disapproval of others, and we, and we start to get anxious when we are around certain people. What are they going to think about me? We overanalyze conversations and interactions, right? You, after an, an, a, an event, you go home, maybe you lay in bed at night, and you just rehash and rehearse, well, what did I say, and how did they perceive what I said, and wait a second, did I get their name right? And, and we kind of have anxiety in our life because we care too much about what people think of us. We value other people's opinions about our work, about our words, about our actions, and it triggers anxiety. If that resonated with you, which I know some of you it did, there's a fantastic book that I want to recommend to you by Ed Welch. It's called When People Are Big and God is Small. The Fear of Man. When People Are Big and God is Small. And so this is not all of the things that can trigger anxiety. This is, I think, the source of a lot of our kind of everyday anxiety. The fear of the unknown, fear of danger, the fear of death. And we can be anxious uh, a fear of man. We can be anxious about finances. We can get anxious about our kids. We can be anxious about our future, about our work, about our health, on and on and on. And if we think about these things, I think it's important for, for us to define the difference between fear and anxiety. They are two different things. They're related, but they're different. The difference between fear and anxiety. Let me give you some definitions. So here's, start with fear. Fear is an unpleasant emotion in the face of threat, danger, or pain. An unpleasant emotion in the face of threat, danger, or pain. Let me give you an illustration. If all of us were on an airplane together, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? And we were flying to some amazing place, and all of a sudden the pilot comes over the loudspeaker and says, Attention, attention, engines have failed. Plane going down. We would all feel fear, wouldn't we? We'd be afraid. And it would be right to be afraid. That's an appropriate response is to be afraid. It's unpleasant emotion in the face of threat, danger, or pain. Anxiety, on the other hand, is to experience fear or worry about a perceived threat. It's to experience fear or worry about a perceived threat. So if we're all on a plane together and, and, and yet the plane has not even taken off, we are still sitting on the runway and the skies are blue and everything is sunny and as you're sitting there, you are afraid that the engines might fail. See the distinction? between fear and anxiety. So what does the Bible tell us? What does the Bible tell us about fear and anxiety? Let's start with fear. First of all, uh, did you know that the, the most common command in the Bible is the command, do not fear? It's the most common imperative in the Bible, do not fear. It's given in the Bible as a command, don't be afraid, over 200 times. Some people will tell you that the Bible talks about fear 365 times. There's a lot of people that have written devotionals. 365, you know, one thing a day about fear. That, that's kind of a stretch. At least 200 times it's a command, and that's a lot. It's the, it's the most. And so in other words, the Bible's telling us two things. The, the fact that the Bible commands us, don't be afraid, it tells us two things. One, that there is plenty to fear in this life. There's plenty to fear. I mean, you read the Old Testament, there are plenty of people to fear. There's other nations and they, there's uncertainties to fear. They're, they're, the world that we live in is broken. There's plenty to fear. But it also tells us that God, the person of God, gives us good reason to take heart, to take courage. When, when, when the Bible commands us, don't be afraid, it's always followed up with a, the, a, a secondary commandment, to take courage, to be courageous, or 
take heart. Don't be afraid, be courageous. Don't be afraid, take heart. This is usually what follows the command for God's people not to fear, to walk in courage and walk in confidence, not in themselves, but in the presence, in the power, in the promises of a God who says, I am with you. Don't be afraid, I am with you. And we see this all over the Bible, whether it be in the Old Testament with important leaders in Israel's history like Joshua, Joshua 1.9 says this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So we see it all across the Old Testament and we see it in the New Testament. We see it uh, with Jesus's disciples who were often afraid. We have one example of them in a boat where they're terrified by this storm and Jesus appears to them and Jesus says in Matthew 14, 6, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. This is what we see across the Bible about fear. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I want you to know that the fundamental principle in the Bible about fear is this, that though there is much to fear in this life, we don't have to stay afraid because the Lord is near to those who belong to him. The Lord is near. Would you just, just say that with me? The Lord is near. That's the fundamental principle in the Bible about fear, that God is near to those he calls. What a grace it is to belong to the God of the universe through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? The Lord is near to you. Don't be afraid. The Lord is nearer to you than your next breath. That is true of you this morning. Don't be afraid. The Lord is near. Church family, cancer is scary. Cancer is terrifying, but the Lord is near. Losing a job is a terrifying reality when you have a family to provide for. But the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Uncertainty about your marriage or about your children's future is frightening, but the Lord is near. This is what the Bible teaches about fear. The Lord is near. What about anxiety? What does the Bible tell us about anxiety? Well, the New Testament scriptures speak specifically to God's people experiencing anxiety. I want to sum it up this way. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. Here, here's what the New Testament essentially tells us about anxiety. It's okay to feel anxious, so it's not inherently sinful to feel anxiety. It's okay to feel anxious, but it's not okay to stay anxious or act in anxiety because of Jesus Christ. It's okay to feel anxious, but it's not okay to stay anxious or act in anxiety. I, I want to look at a few passages here from the New Testament. Let's start with Jesus' words in Matthew 6. Jesus talks about anxiety in Matthew 6. He says, starting in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? So, so he says, don't be anxious. Jesus says, life is more 
than these circumstantial things. Don't be anxious. Are you not more? Are you not more? God cares for you. There's two principles here. God cares for you. God cares for you, and to act in anxiety is to live with unbelief that God cares. So don't be anxious. And then verse 27, Jesus goes on. He says, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? And so the second thing that Jesus tells us is that anxiety doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Being anxious doesn't work. It doesn't produce anything of redemptive value in our life. And so he says, don't be anxious. God cares for you. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, the apostle Paul is giving instructions to the church and how to live in light of the death and resurrection and promised second coming of Jesus. And he says this in chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul is also agreeing with Jesus here. He's saying anxiety doesn't work, so put it off. Transform it by the power of Jesus. Paul is applying the gospel to our anxiety. Paul is saying because Jesus really lived and he really died and he really rose again and he promised that he will indeed come again, we can bring our concerns to God and we can exchange them for peace. Whether the concerns in your life feel like a few kind of concerns in the trunk of the car of your life or it feels like a whole dump truck worth of fear and anxiety, Paul is saying because of the gospel, you can unload all of that at the foot of the throne of grace of Jesus Christ, and we can transform our anxiety. We can transform our anxiety. That's good news for us. There's hope in Jesus. One more. Look at 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, so, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Like Jesus, like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter here gives the same exhortation. Anxiety doesn't work. It doesn't produce anything redemptive in your life. Put it off. Um, here's what's interesting about what we have from Peter. The, the text in 1 Peter 5 is actually getting at the root of anxiety. It's getting at the root of anxiety. It's saying that there's a connection between humility and peace. Look at it again. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time you may be exalted. So come humble under God, under his might, under his power, under his authority, under his sovereignty, under his great care, and you will experience peace. There's a correlation to say it the other way, to invert it. There's also a correlation between 
anxiety, and pride. Have you ever thought of it this way? Have you ever thought that it might be possible that the root of your anxiety is pride? Now, I want to be clear about something. I'm not talking about all forms of anxiety. I'm not talking about trauma-induced anxiety. I'm not talking about the severity of things like phobia. I'm talking about general anxiety. Is it possible that it is a symptom of pride? I want to tease this out for a bit because I think it's the key to getting to the transformative power of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the most recent situation in your life that made you anxious. Just kind of go back in your mind. It might have been like five minutes ago. It might be this sermon right now. It might be making you anxious. Um, the most recent situation in your life where you felt your body load up with anxiety. I want to tell you about one for me. Uh, many of you guys know that there have been a lot of changes in our church over the last 10 months. You might not know that, but if you're a leader here, you do know that. Um, the beginning of the year, we <clears throat> planted two churches. So we, that means that we sent out a lot of Uh, members of this congregation that we have known and loved and people that have led in this church, people that have been friends for for a long time that we've sent them out. Um, We sent two pastors who were here doing church planning residencies, so two brothers and their wives uh, that were with us for two years that just became dear, dear brothers that you saw every day that were leading in this church. We sent them out to start new churches, one in Hutto, one in Georgetown. Um, and so all of that was happening uh, in January and then in February. Um, also early in the year, <clears throat> Pastor Josh uh, reached out to me and, and he said, hey, can we meet and grab coffee? And we met, or actually we grabbed lunch, not coffee. We grabbed lunch that day. And Josh shared with me things that God was doing in his heart and his life and, and how he particularly was sensing from God that in this season of life that, that there was a, God was leading him into a new role. And um, in fact, when he shared that with me, the first thing he said, he said, hey, I don't want you to panic. <laughs> but so he shares with me, and that was a big deal because Josh is a founding pastor in this church, and 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 he's been a, a friend and a brother and a leader in my life, and 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 so all this change is happening, right? All this change is on the is, is on the horizon for us as a church. Josh is moving into a new role off staff, and still going to be here as an elder, but not kind of in the day to day staff leadership. We're sending people away, and I found myself in that season being so anxious, so anxious. I found myself worrying about outcomes. Like, are we about to, um, are we, you know, trying to plant churches? Are we about to like torpedo this church, sending all these people out? I found myself worried about like what would other people think, fear of man. Like, oh, what are people going to think? Or are they going to maybe create some narratives that aren't true? Like Josh is rolling off staff because maybe all these bad things are happening in the church. And, and what are people going to think about me and think about us? And, and I started where I couldn't sleep at night and I'm rehearsing all these things in my mind. I'm distant from my wife and my kids. And this is going on for probably a month or two where I'm, I'm anxious about change and about uncertainty and about what are people going to think. And it might sound silly to you, but that's how anxiety works. It's so real for me. It was really real for me. And I want you to know that what was happening in this moment for me is that my anxiety is actually telling me the truth. It's not telling me the truth about God. My anxiety was actually telling me the truth about me. It's telling me the truth about me. In fact, when you feel anxious, your anxiety in the moment is actually preaching to you. It's teaching you a lesson in biblical anthropology. Kids, if you can spell that word, I'll give you a candy bar next week. Biblical anthropology. 
What does the Bible teach us about human beings? When you feel anxious, it's actually telling you the truth about who you are and what you are as a human being. See, when you feel the onset of anxiety in your day-to-day, it's best to think of it like a light coming on the dashboard of your soul alerting you. Let me tell you what it's alerting you to. Here's what my anxiety was alerting me to. First of all, it was alerting me to the fact that I am limited. Human beings are limited. Isaiah 55, 8 tells us that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We are limited. We can't know everything. We can't know everything. I can't uh, predict the future. I don't know the future. We can't be everywhere. We can't solve all of our problems. We can't solve all of the world's problems. We are limited. We are human. We're human. When you feel anxiety, it's also alerting you to the truth that you are weak. (laughs) Human beings are weak. We are vulnerable. We are fragile. We are easily wounded by words and actions of other people. In this life, we will experience pain and disappointment and suffering and trauma. We might die. We are weak. We are limited. And when you feel anxiety, it's alerting your body to the fact that you're not only limited, but you are weak. You are human. You, you want to you know a person that is, you want to know a person that is exhausted and anxious? You find the person that's living their life trying to be their own savior. You find the person that's trying to rule their life and control all things as their own Lord. That person is exhausted and anxious. You find the person that's trying to atone for all of their mistakes and pay their own debt. That person is exhausted and anxious. You find the person that's trying to fight every battle and charge every hill in their own strength. That person is exhausted and anxious. You know why? Because we are human. We're weak. And finally, anxiety alerts us to the fact that as human beings, we flourish, we do best when we stay rooted in the present. God made us this way. God made you with limits. God made you with weakness. You're you're vulnerable. And God made us to where we do best, we flourish, when we stay rooted in the present. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 34, He says, therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Jesus says in Acts 1-7, he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Stay rooted in the present. You're only human. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't live in the shackles of the past. Live in the present. You see, Anxiety tells us the truth. It tells us a fundamental biblical truth that you are not God. You are not God. And that's good news. In my struggle earlier this year when I was feeling so much anxiety, it was actually good news for me when I realized that the reason I'm anxious is because I think that I'm supposed to be God. (laughs) I'm not God. That's good news. Because there is a God who is not limited. There is a God who does know all things. He's the omniscient one. There is a God who is all-powerful, the omnipotent one who rules the world, who stands strong over the past, present, and future, who holds all things together by the power of his word, the omnipresent one. There is a God. I don't have to be God. There is a God. 
And he is a God of all grace. He is a God who is merciful and kind. And he is a God who has come near. Hear me. He's a God who has come near in love to limited, weak, vulnerable sinners like you and me in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And because of him, we don't have to stay anxious. Anxiety can fire in our minds and our body like lights on the dashboard of our soul alerting you to the fact that you are not God. And because there is a God who has come near to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we don't have to stay anxious. We certainly don't have to act in our anxiety, but we can access the transforming peace that surpasses all understanding that is available in Jesus. And so what do we do? What do we do with our anxiety as followers of Jesus? Well, you will do something with your anxiety. You will. You'll do something with your anxiety. If you do not transform your anxiety by the power of Jesus Christ, you will transmit it. If you don't transform your anxiety, you will certainly transmit it. I've been on both sides of this. I've been on the side where I haven't transformed my anxiety by the power of Jesus Christ, and so I've transmitted it to my wife and to my kids. My anxiety kind of gets uh, pushed onto them. I've also been on the other side of it uh, as a pastor, having the anxieties of other people projected on to me, their anxiety spinning up narratives and overanalyzing actions and sprinting ahead to creating outcomes and futures. I've been on that side of it too, where if you don't transform your anxiety by the power of Jesus Christ, you will transmit it. Look, look back with me at Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 and 7, and then let's look again at 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. These, these texts are going to teach us how we transform our anxiety by the power of the gospel. Let's look at it again. Philippians 4, 5 through 7. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This reminds me of what we talked about a couple weeks ago about being sober-minded. Being sober-minded. You know Christ. You know Christ. Be at Peace, let your reasonable, but your reasonableness, your sober-mindedness be transmitted. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. What do we do with our anxiety? The scriptures tell us that we bring our anxieties to Christ. We act. We act when we feel anxiety firing in our bodies, in our minds. When we see the light come up on the dashboard of our soul, we act. We act in Faith. I want to give you three things, an A, a C, and a T. See how I did that? We act. We act in faith. Number one, we acknowledge. We acknowledge our humanity before God. We acknowledge the fact that we have limits. We acknowledge the fact that we're vulnerable. We acknowledge before God that we lack understanding and wisdom. We say to God, for your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We say to God, God, I don't know. I don't know. With all of these thoughts, 
I'm sprinting ahead with all of these assumptions? No. I'm only human. God, I don't know you do. God, I don't understand you do. God, I don't have control, but you do. We acknowledge our humanity. Ed Welch says this. He says, fear and anxiety are surprisingly confident. Fear and anxiety are surprisingly confident. They make predictions about tomorrow, and somehow we consider those predictions infallible. Hmm. And then he throws some shade at meteorologists. Listen to this. He says, like the weatherman, they are rarely accurate. It's nothing more than a prediction based on models of your own insecurity and pride. Wow. Wow. See, we must acknowledge this. God, I don't really know. God, I I don't really understand. God, I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I, I can't control what other people think about me. We must acknowledge. And then number two, we must confess. We confess, we cast our cares, as Peter says, on the Lord. We call out in prayer, as Paul says in Philippians chapter four. This is where we bring Jesus into the equation of our anxiety. So we acknowledge our own limitedness, our own humanity, and then we bring Jesus into it. We confess to Jesus. We confess, we say, we confess that, that I'm afraid because I've been trusting the future that I've written in my own mind rather than trusting the future that Jesus holds. Jesus, I confess. I, I, I confess. I confess that I believe that I hold the power to protect myself or to protect my children rather than trusting you, Jesus, and your sovereign power over my life, over my kids' lives. We confess, we call in prayer, we cast our cares, we confess to Jesus that we've made the words and the opinions of other people more meaningful in our life than the sure and stable words of our Savior Jesus Christ who says that you are enough, that you are accepted, that you are beloved, that your identity is not in what you do or what you fail to do. It's not about what people think about you, but it's what the Father in heaven looks upon you and thinks about you and he looks at you and he says, I love you. You're enough. We confess to Jesus. You know what confession does? Confession helps slow down and settle our souls. Here's been my experience with with anxiety, with everyday anxiety. My experience has been that anxiety wants to kind of keep you moving fast. It wants to keep the RPMs of your soul revved up, right? what anxiety does. Like it, 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 you can, it just moves you fast. Bad things are near. There's no time to waste. It kind of keeps you revved up. Confession slows you down. Confession sobers you, you, you up a bit to the truth. You see, when anxious thoughts get acknowledged and confessed to Christ, they get transformed. When they get acknowledged and confessed to Christ, they get transformed. Anxious thoughts are forced to come face to face with gospel truths. And when that happens, they can't stand. They can't stand. And then finally, once we acknowledge our anxiety before God, once we confess to Jesus, then we can take courage. Or we can, as the scriptures say, take heart. Now that we've gone to Jesus, we can take courage because there is no going to Jesus. There is no truly going to Christ in prayer and supplication. There is no truly going to Jesus 
in a wholehearted way, casting our cares upon him that does not result in accessing grace. I want you to hear that. There is no truly going to Jesus that does not result in accessing grace. There's no going to Jesus in confession of sin that does not result in accessing grace. There's no going to Jesus in weakness. There's no going to Jesus with a broken heart. There's no going to Jesus with pain and lament. And there is no going to Jesus with anxiety that does not produce accessing grace. Listen to Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence... Confidence, not in ourselves, but at what Christ has done, that he has really lived, really died, truly rose again, and is certainly coming again with confidence in Christ, draw near to the throne of what? Grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You will never be put on hold when you go to Jesus. You will never be put on hold when you go to Jesus. You know why? Because he has put his Holy Spirit within you, the Spirit of Christ within you that produces the peace of Christ when we come to him and live by faith. There was a, 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 a person that, that I got to know s- several years ago who was a worship leader at a church in Washington, and, and um, we were out at dinner one night, and I don't even remember what somebody said, but Somebody said something along the lines of like, you know, I, God called me to do this, but then because of X, Y, and Z, I, I decided not to. And, you know, it was kind of expressing some fear and some doubt. And this worship leader said, hey, um, I'm sorry, but I thought I was talking to someone who had the power of the risen Christ living within them. And it was just this moment of like, I can't believe he just said that, but I'm so glad he just said that because it's really true. It's really true. There's no going to Christ without accessing grace. We can take courage. This doesn't mean that our circumstances go away. This doesn't mean that there aren't still real reasons to fear. But what it does mean is that we can take courage because we know that someone greater than us is already on it. Someone greater than us calls us son or daughter is sovereign, and in him we are secure. You see, this is the good news of the gospel in the face of fear and anxiety. We can act in faith. We can acknowledge, we can confess, and we can take heart. We can take courage. We can access peace because someone greater than you has already taken all of your worries and made them his own. Someone greater than you bears your burdens. His name is Jesus. You can trust him. His cross, his empty tomb, is the artifact of his love for you. There is no fear in life, and there is no fear in death because of Jesus. See, Redeemer family, in the storm of anxiety, you can access peace. You can take courage because the Lord is near. The Lord is near because the Lord is with you by his spirit and through his word and his promises will never fail because the Lord cares for you. He truly cares for your life. He watches your life. The scriptures tell us that he never sleeps and he never slumbers. There's nothing that doesn't pass through 
his fingertips. The Lord is near. The Lord loves you. The Lord knows your name. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will redeem your life, all of your sins, and all of your iniquities. The Lord is near. Don't be afraid. The Lord cares for you. Cast your cares upon him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the great hope that is available to us because of Jesus. That you have not left us or abandoned us in the depths of despair, nor the depths of fear. Though there is much to fear, you are with us. And because you are with us, there is great hope. And so we turn to you now, and we pray that as we do, that we would access your grace. Thank you for the promises of your word. As we respond by going to the Lord's table, as we respond through a time of prayer, as we respond in singing and in worship, we do ask that you would meet with us, that you would nourish us, that you would build us up, that you would strengthen us, that we might be your people, a people in this city that are steadfast, a people in this city that know how to transform our anxiety and access peace, a people that pass on the good news of great hope that comes from knowing you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.